unless somebody else had something else, right? Any of this? No, okay. No more. So I think definitely we need to be praying for some people this, uh, this morning, right? Uh, Florida's getting hit right now. And they're going to be hit all day with a hurricane. So we definitely need to keep them in our prayers of the flooding that's going to happen, uh, the trees that are coming down, that the Lord just keep the people safe. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that the ministries there would have an awesome opportunity to get in some people's lives that would not happen otherwise. Um, you know, this stuff does happen, but the Lord can bring it to his glory, right? Florida's all over the news. How many of you guys have been hearing about Montana? Okay, that's not so much on the news. It is getting hit hard as well. Right, million acres is what I've heard have been burnt now there, and then also over in Oregon, Idaho, Washington, uh, Northern California, Nevada. I mean, it's getting burned up all over the place there. So, there's some stuff that's going on in our country that's really it's going to come and it's going to affect us. We're not directly in that right now, and there's even some fires here in Colorado. But you know, think about our economy, what's going to start happening. Uh, Chuck was even talking about how the lumber's even raising and stuff. This isn't to bring fear. This is to bring us. Closer to the Lord, right? We get to put trust in Him. We get to encourage others that maybe are even panicking through this situation and get to just be like, hey, God's got it. God is in control, isn't He? Um, but use this opportunity to be able to get into people's lives and just to share that the hope is absolutely in our Father. It's in nothing else. So, but let's remember to lift up those people. And uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and pray and then we'll get into the sermon. So, Lord, we love you and we just thank you for another morning. We get to come and glorify you. And just put you where you, you're supposed to be in our hearts, Lord, uh, as number one, you're on the throne. And so we just praise you. Thank you so much for what you do for us, Lord, the provision you give us. Lord, I just want to lift up all the people that are being affected right now, not just here in the States, as we know those islands got hit so hard, Lord, and maybe even this other hurricane's going to come and hit them again. Um, we pray for protection over those people, Lord, um, and that you would be able to have a witness there as far as the other people that know you and they'd be able to encourage their neighbors. And, um, you know, through this, they would come to know you. Because uh, to lose a house is a small thing, you know, compared to the soul. And so we just pray that they would come to you, Lord, that they'd have that eternal uh, position with you, Lord. And uh, we pray for everybody that's going through it right now in Florida, Lord. Uh, just keep them calm. Give, bring them comfort, Lord. I pray that you would have the, the volunteers keep them safe as out there rescuing people. And, uh, Lord, we just want you to be glorified. So any of the churches around there, that they would have opportunity to go in there and share your love with those people. And also all the fires that are going on, Lord, pray for those firemen that are, are fighting them, Lord. Please protect them. Uh, give them wisdom in the places that they need to be, Lord, that they don't get trapped by any of the fires. And, uh, Lord, just give their, their families comfort as they're out there. Let them know that they're safe, Lord. And we just pray for the people that are losing their homes, their ranches, their cattle, Lord. I know you're the one that can um, provide for them, Lord, so I pray that that would happen. I pray that they would have encouragement from family and friends, Lord. And it would just all point back to you. And, Lord, we just want to give you this morning... Uh, we want to put it right in your hands, and we want your, you to take care of, uh, you know, what, we, what we're going to do and what we're going to do today, Lord. And so we just want to give you this time. And all God's people said, amen. All right, guys. Well, I wanted to give you a little example of what we're going to go through this morning. That's why we have this silence. It's to, to meditate. We think about things, right? I mean, it, it automatically, and this is the thing with me, is it's very uncomfortable, isn't it? It's like, okay, what happened? <laughs> Did he forget something? I mean, we're praying, but all of a sudden we went silent, and and it really brings us sometimes into a place where it's very uncomfortable being in that silence. We hear all the machines, we hear the clock, we hear the different things that are going on around us, we hear, you know, people's stomachs, and <laughs> it's one of those times that it just gets to be uncomfortable. And it's really in this day and age, we've gotten to a place where we almost don't want to have absolute silence. And I'm talking absolute, like you go in the bottom of a cave when you're caving and you can't hear anything, see anything, it's eerie. And especially what's going on in our culture nowadays and what we're into is that everything brings some kind of a noise or distraction to our lives, doesn't it? So much. How many of you guys have grandparents or great-grandparents that used to have a farm? Anybody? 
Did they ever talk to you about how quiet it was back in maybe in the 19, I'm thinking back 1900s, when there was no electricity, there's no planes flying overhead, there's no cars, they're out on this rural little place out in the middle of nowhere, this farm, and all they can hear is themselves and God's creation. Very different time. Get back to the house, they're not going to hear electricity, they're not going to hear, even when I was studying this morning, you know, it's quiet here in the church, um, and I can still hear the clock ticking, I can hear water running in places, I can hear all this stuff that's still happening, but that back then was like absolute silence. They didn't have any electricity to power anything, uh, there was no phone dinging, you know, calling them back to it. <laughs> there wasn't anything like that. What a great time, wasn't it? To have that. And I think that there's a lot of things that we can actually, we can go back to that. I want to encourage you guys this morning, this is what it's going to be about, is solitude and silence. There used to be a time in my life where I just, I longed for it, I'd go for it, I'd, I'd go out there and spend that time with the Lord, and it's just gotten to a place where I've kind of forgotten about that. As it gets really busy, there's a lot of things we have to do. We're very important people, aren't we? Right? <laughs> like, if I'm not there, something's going to happen. I'm in charge of something. You know, I'm not going to know what that next episode is, so what am I going to have to talk about with the person when I see him on Wednesday? All these things that we've got to make sure are in order and we put on ourselves and feel that, you know, to get away and to absolutely have that time with the Lord, it's kind of, it's become a, a, an awkward silence in our lives. It's an awkward place to go because we, it's so foreign to us. And so, I mean, even just like this morning, we don't ever just take time to be silent, right, in prayer. And just be quiet. So it becomes a little awkward. It's like, okay. What's going on here? So, first I want to jump over into lamentations. And that's in this scripture, what it just talks about is, is our place with the Lord, what we should be doing and going there. And we'll go through a bunch of examples in different people's lives this morning just to show you guys that it's very, it's very much a part of scripture. So, Lamentations, which is right after Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters. We see what Jeremiah is talking about here. And in this chapter, if you guys have ever heard me teach on it, or, or maybe I've even talked about it, because it is, it's an awesome chapter um, with what Jeremiah is going through. If you guys don't know the context, Jeremiah is outside of the city, and he, he's weeping over it. He's lamenting. That's why it's called Lamentations. He's lamenting over what's happened with Jerusalem. He, for several years, told them this was going to happen, and now the destruction has come. And so he's lamenting over this place. And he's come to a place where he's even looking at himself, and he's in such anguish in despair through the first part of this chapter and then the second part about 20 verse 20 yeah verse 20 he totally switches it if you guys ever want to do a study go through the first 19 verses on this and look at how many me i my that jeremiah uses the very, very much focused on himself and his depression on what was going on and then that second part of that chapter he completely puts his focus back on the lord so then we catch up with him when he's putting his focus back on the lord and here's what he encourages other people to do he says in verse 25 of chapter 3 of Lamentations, he says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent, because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. And just talking about that, totally that quiet time that you get to go and spend and that a man should do that, a person should do that and go put their face in the dust. That just means like you're not actually going to rub your face in the dust, but getting down before him, you know, putting yourself in that place of reverence towards him. And so we get to see Jeremiah and all the things he's gone through, this is where he goes back to and he talks about, you know, this is a good thing to wait and to wait quietly, to seek him, to sit alone and to keep silent. And so this morning we're going to go over, you know, some, what's some real-life examples that we can see in the Scripture? Real-life people that did this. Very busy people, too, I'll tell you that. Very busy. Now, how do they do that, and how do they get that place of solitude and silence? Because that's sometimes a very hard place for us to get to, right? And then, while we're there, what do we end up doing? Okay, here I am at this place of solitude and silence, now what? I do. I let my mind just wander and think about all these thoughts that come in my head, all this stuff that needs to be done. That's usually what happens, right? We automatically go into that mode of, okay, I've got to think everything ahead so I can make sure everything's in place so that when I get to that place, it'll all be ready and I've already thought everything through. And really what it talks about, when we're going to go through in these examples, is really they're just coming before the Lord and just shutting down. And there's some different things that drive them there. And I'm sure that you guys are probably in that spot in your own lives right now that the Lord really wants to have that time of solitude and silence with you. That he, he wants to drive you to that place and he's allowing some stuff to happen in your life so that you guys will go and retreat to that. 
and what a great sweet place it is to be, right? And I just want to make sure, I know there's a lot of people, that, too, that, you know, it uh, seems like nowadays we have a lot of people that love just to spend, well, introverts, right? They love to be by themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is that they put them play, the, the, this, this whole idea of going and having this solitude, and they become this reserved person and, and completely isolate themselves from everybody else. Right? They shut down. They completely go into this other place. And it can be for several different reasons that they do this. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. That's not what I'm saying. Hey, guys, go find a place and just stay in your house. Okay? Don't talk to anybody because they're distractions. You don't want anybody... If, if the phone goes off, don't answer. Okay? You're not available this whole week. You have a vacation. It's not to use it in a sense of good, finally, because I'm sick of people. Now I get to get away from them. It's not at all that. Okay? Because we would have seen Jesus do that all the time, right? And there are some times that he was so overwhelmed with the multitudes that it actually says that he withdrew. We'll go over that this morning. But being careful that we don't take this and say, yeah, that's right, I do deserve this in my life. I do deserve some solitude. I'm just going to go take off and I'm not going to have anything to do with anybody for a week, a day, or whatever it is. But when it's not focused on Christ, when it's not focused on that relationship, all it is is that it's encouragement to self. And you can go meditate on self anywhere, right? I mean, that's what a lot of us will, will make an excuse for it. Like, okay... You know, I'm going to go up camping so I can go seek after the Lord, but we're really meditating on ourselves when we get up there because it's all about us. You know, I've I got to have this right. I've got to do this. I've got to make sure all these motorcycles are with me. I've got to make sure that I have entertainment while I'm up there. You know, now I've got my trailer with the TV in it. I don't know why I'm bringing that up there, but I have to. <laughs> all these different things that we ended up taking with us, and it's, it's, it's not what he's asking us to do. So don't put that false solitude or that silence in there. Don't put that in there because, you know what, there's plenty of religions out there doing that. There's plenty of religions out there telling you need to meditate, and what they're doing is they're trying to center in yourselves about you so that you can conquer whatever it is in your life through your own power. And, you know, honestly, that's just a bunch of garbage. You guys know that because it's only through Jesus Christ that things can be conquered, right? And especially in our lives, right? Because he's the only one that can resurrect us. And praise God for that. So let's go ahead and let's look at our first example in Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Exodus 33, verse 7. And what we do is we catch up with Moses here. Okay, Moses, is, they've already exited. They've already come out of the land, and now they are um, coming around, and, and what ends up happening is that they're out in the wilderness, and Moses wants to meet with the Lord. And it's really cool. You, you guys know that he's probably with around 2 million people is what they've estimated now. That's a lot of people to be in charge of. So, again, Moses is a very busy man. He has lots to do. To take a break... Would, would seem foolish in a businessman's eyes. Because when you have all this, and you're out in the wilderness, and you're trying to get food and water for these people and survive, remember there's young and old there too. It's not just a bunch of fit guys that can hang out and, and conquer everything for 40 days without eating. This is, this is a serious thing. And I just put that out there because he had stuff to do. But yet Moses takes his tent. In verse 7 of chapter 33, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp and called it the tabernacle meeting. Now, this is before they built the actual tabernacle, okay? That's over in chapter 36 is where they build the tabernacle. So he takes his own tent and sets it up out there. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing in the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his own tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses, Moses' face to face to face, as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. And you get to see, here's two guys that we know very well, right? I mean, Moses and what he ended up having to do, but yeah, he's taking time and he's going outside the camp. He's finding solitude. He's going away from the people group. He's going out there to meet with the Lord, right? To talk to him. He has a huge responsibility on his back, right? Any of you guys have... A big responsibility on your back. Any of you guys that are parents, for sure you have it. Any of you guys planning out what you're going to do the rest of your life, you guys have a big responsibility on your back. Every one of us in this room has some kind of heavy responsibility. So why wouldn't we exit outside of the camp and go outside of it and go spend some time with him? I mean, we have to go get some direction, right? If we go and do our own direction, you guys know how that's ended up. (laughs) 
Sometimes it doesn't go where we, where we think it's going to go or where we plan it to go. We absolutely just fall on him. And I love that it mentions Joshua here in this part because we know Joshua was a mighty warrior, wasn't he? Awesome guy. Anyways, he says he doesn't even leave there. He's like, no way, this place is great. I want to be out here with God. And it's such a nice thing. That's good for those single guys that don't have anything really to come back to as far as like a family taking, you know, and do it. Hey, go out there and spend a lot of time. Go have a great time with the Lord. Go see what he's going to teach you, where he's going to direct you, where he wants to take you. It's a good place to be. Not just young men, also young women. Elijah is the next example that I want to look at. So over in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings. You guys know how I like to do this. I love verses, so we're going to be cruising all over your Bible this morning. 1 Kings chapter 19. In verse 9. Now this is after Elijah did the awesome work in front of all the, the, the prophets of Baal, you know, and he went out there, the, the altar gets set on fire by God after he poured tons of water all over it, and they go out and they kill the prophets off. But then what happens, then Je- Jezebel comes after him again, and he comes into this place of despair. It's actually a sad place to see where Elijah went, because he did this awesome work, he's done crazy things as a prophet for God, and now he gets into a hard spot. He gets into a place where it's like, oh great, I'm the only one left. They're out to kill me again. That other thing didn't work. There's nothing else. They're killing all the prophets off. I'm the only one left. And that's what he's talking to God about in this cave. But in verse 9 it says, um, And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left And they seek to take my life. And then he said, Go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And then God goes on to encourage him and to say, you need to go anoint this king and this king, and you need to go anoint Elisha as the successor to you as a prophet. And don't worry about it. There's 7,000 other people that are living for me. You know, kind of to wake him up and encourage him that he's there. But the thing is, Elijah needed to go up to a place of solitude, didn't he? In this silence to go see God. And I think it's awesome how God presents himself there. Because sometimes we look for him in those big movements, you know, in those big crazy things. Okay, what, what were you saying there, God? You know, you just ripped the whole side of the mountain off with just the wind. Okay, what did that mean? And God wasn't there. You know, and then we look for the next thing that it's like, okay, that was an awesome earthquake. What did that have to mean for me? Nothing, because he wasn't in that. He comes to us in a still, small voice. And then when he does that with Elijah, it's so cool to see, because he's like, Elijah, I'm here. It doesn't always have to be a big movement. Yeah, that was an awesome thing that happened with the prophets, but here's a small thing. I just want to speak to you. And he has this awesome time with God, and then he comes out of the, tent, the cave. Here he was. He secluded himself. He went in there for his own purposes, and God brings him out for his, his purposes. And that's so many times when we seek that solitude and that silence is maybe we are just going up there. And it, maybe it is a selfish thing, but hey, we're going. We want to be up there with God. We want him to show us some direction. Hopefully we go into that cave, but we come out with him calling us and him leading us and where he wants us to end up going. And that's really why we go and we have that time is because like, Lord, I just want to be with you. I want to be full. I want to be rested by you. I want you to bring my doubts and, and just crush them. You know, and it's such a great time that we get to have with him. But if we just reserve our, our time and that, that time with him is just a Sunday or a Wednesday thing or maybe a couple mornings here and there, but we're hurried to get off work, really it's so sad because we're limiting. You know, we're sacrificing that time with the Lord just so we can get some stuff done or so we can hear something. And it's unfortunate because what we're really doing is we're doing what our bodies are wanting rather than what this is good for the spirit. And so I encourage you guys, just as we look through these guys, look at how they did it, why they did it. And we'll go through some of the more examples. David, you guys know David. Uh, David always shepherd, right? Before he came, came. Shepherding is a very lonely business. You're out in the middle of nowhere, especially these guys because they're out in the wilderness. Nowhere. So he's out there, and you guys get to read such psalms. I mean, David, if he wasn't out there by himself a lot, you, you guys would see these psalms wouldn't have the power that they have because he's just under the heavens, and he's just looking up and praising God for what he's created. You know, we have Psalms 23. I'll just read verses 1 through 3. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
uh, he, ma- he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And just that time I'm spending out there, he just knows that God refreshes. Just like I'm refreshing these sheep, that's what God wants to do. That's what he does with me. And all these, and you guys could go through all the Psalms. Tons of Psalms that David just applied and so cool to see his relationship with the Lord because he had so much time, that solitude with him. All right. Now the example I'm waiting to get to. You guys know one of the biggest examples for us, right? I hope. Starts with a J. All right. Some of you guys got it. Jesus. Great example for us, isn't he? I love how Jesus, you know, Jesus could have done so many different things with us and and really um, made it to where it was one of those things. It's like, okay, there's no way we could attain that because it's just so far away. But he's so encouraging in how he does it, right? And just how he lived out his life. He talks about the temptations he had to go through. He shared some of the temptations he had to go through. And even one of the first ones we get to see is where Jesus went out by himself into the wilderness. In Mark 1, 12 and 13, it says, Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. And this is right when we get to see Jesus, right in the first part of his ministry. Right after he gets baptized, Jesus, the Spirit comes and takes him out to the wilderness. Why? Why? And it's Jesus. You know, God incarnate. Why, why in the world would he have to go out to the wilderness to get things ready for the ministry that he was going to be put into? It's such an awesome example because, too, he was still like us, wasn't he? So that later on he could say in Hebrews that he sympathizes with us because he went through all things just like we go through all things. He understands our weakness because he also had that weakness. That's why. And so I think it's very key that we look at Christ and we see these examples and we're not like, oh yeah, but that's Jesus. We put the but, that's but Jesus in there, you know? I can't do that, that's Jesus. He did it so that he could show us that he understands and yes, it is possible. So he goes out for 40 days and and is just in solitude and silence before he gets this ministry that the Lord's going to end up putting on him for these three and a half years. And then the next one we see is when he uh, hears about John the Baptist being killed over in Matthew 14, 13. And you guys, I don't know if you know the story. Uh, it's just a real quick one about what happened with John the Baptist. I mean, John the Baptist was the one that paved the way, right? Jesus even said he was the greatest prophet. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, awesome prophet for the Lord, and he even got to baptize Jesus Christ. Well, what happens is that uh, Herod the Tertiarch, he comes in, the picture doesn't agree with what's going on, doesn't like what John the Baptist is doing, uh, has him arrested, would like to kill him, but is too terrified because everybody's looking at him as a prophet. So then his wife, that he kind of took from his brother, Herodias, John the Baptist came in and said, hey, you guys are doing wrong in your whole deal you got going on here. They became bitter against him, and then Herodias later on had her daughter, from a whole other circumstance, end up having John the Baptist be beheaded. Okay, Crazy story. You guys can read through it in chapter 14, the 1 through 12. But then we come to where Jesus, on verse 12, and his disciples came and took away the body, talking about the body of John the Baptist, and they buried it and went and told Jesus. And then verse 13, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by a boat and departed, uh, or deserted, sorry, let me try it again. He departed from there by a boat to a desert, uh, deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard of it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And so even in that instance, Jesus separated. He got in a boat and he went off by himself after he heard this horrible news of John the Baptist being killed. Another one is Mark one thirty-five. Mark one thirty-five. And this is when Jesus is out there and he's healing. Verse 34, he says, Then he healed many who were sick and various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. This was a thing that Jesus was doing this a lot during the first part of his ministry. I mean, he was busy. He's always out there doing this. And then in verse 35, we get to it, and he says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And then you go on, and everybody starts looking for him, wondering where he's at, you know, but he's off with the Father. He's off having that communion with him. Another one is Luke five sixteen. And I'm going to give you guys these examples, and we're going to come back to them. We're going to kind of look at some of the examples and see, well, okay, what was the situation behind this? Why, why I mean, how does that apply to my life? So Luke five sixteen, and this is another one where the multitude's looking for him, and it says, however, the report went about concerning him all the more. Uh, this is after he healed uh, the leper, and he told the leper, don't go tell anybody. <laughs> And he ends up telling everybody. 
And he says, uh, the report went around concerning him all the more, and a great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Which is just, it's one of those things that, you know, the thing is, God knows how many years Christ is going to be there. Why not have the absolute most effect on people's lives for him to be there morning and night, right? I mean, that's more people that get to come into heaven, isn't it? You kind of look at that, like, why would you have him withdraw when there's things going on, when there's people seeking after him? Why all of a sudden would he often withdraw? That's how important it is, guys. That is so important. It should show us that, you know, Jesus Christ being that important in his ministry and what he could do and what he was doing, yet the Father was still calling him away in that solitude and that silence with him to come and have that communion. It's because that's where restoration takes place, isn't it? Jesus needed to be restored in that place. Remember, he has the weakness of being human. And so he needed that. Guys, we need that. Don't short yourselves. We need that. A couple more examples of Christ in Luke 6, 12, 13. And I, I, I hope I'm making my point by now. I don't know. Some, some people. I'm just going to go on two more verses for hard head. Right? <laughs> just kidding. 6, 12, and, and 13, it says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountains to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night. And when it was day, uh, he called the uh, disciples to him, and from them he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. This one we get to see, there's a great example of him making a decision. He went out all night. And, and this is another reason that we know, like especially for us in this room, guys, where are we from? Colorado, right? The mountains have been ordained through Scripture. I hope you know that. Because what's being said right here can't be done in Texas. There's no mountains. <laughs> right? <laughs> so the Texans have to come here to do this. I'm just, I'm just saying. We're going to see another one. He talks about the mountains too. Mountains are important. <laughs> just kidding, Texans. So, totally can be done um, any flat land. But Jesus is just talking about getting away. And I, I'm so thankful that we do live in a place because the mountains are so beautiful. We get to go out into them. We get to see his nature. It's easier to get away from everybody, right? Away from that noise to have more of that silence up in those mountains. And I just see Christ doing that all the time. He went away up in the mountains um, to, to just have that time with the Lord and to make these decisions. He was up there all night long. And the last example I have of Christ is in John 6. John 6, 15. John 6.15 says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. This is when everybody was really wanting him. I mean, they are looking at him as the Messiah. And according to their rabbis and their teachers and everything, the, the Messiah was going to come, do miracles. He's going to be preaching the word. He's going to be doing all this, but also he was going to be king. And they thought that that's what was going to happen then. So because of Jesus doing all these acts, and it looks like, yeah, he's definitely the Messiah. Now he knew we need to set him up as king, so let's go. Well, that's not what Jesus had come that first time for, right? No, that wasn't what he was coming for. There needed to be something dealt with sin before that kingship came. So what ends up happening is they want him to come, uh, and he ends up taking off by himself, which this will be a key point later on when we go through some of the other ones. I'll just give you other examples that you guys can write down um, and go through and check it out, but also the disciples. We also have examples through their lives. Um, it wasn't just Jesus, it wasn't just an Old Testament thing, but we got to see Peter in Acts 10, Acts 10, 9 through 11. That's when he went up on the rooftop. You guys remember that story? So he's with all the other disciples. Where his time that he could get away and have some silence and some solitude, he went up on the rooftop and started praying. And what did God do on that rooftop? That was a big moment in Peter's life, wasn't it? You guys remember the vision he gave him when the sheet comes down with all the unclean animal and he says, eat? It's like, What? <laughs> that's uh, who am i listening to you know he's, he was totally stunned like lord i can't do that if, if, you know i've been forbidden to eat that unclean uh food and the lord was really just showing him here's what's going to happen with the gentiles they're going to be brought into salvation just like you guys were you know how can you call a thing unclean when god calls it clean and so it's just this eye-opening experience for him he went on that time uh to be by himself that solitude another one is in paul with paul in Galatians 1, 15 through 17, Paul mentions the time that when he first came to the Lord and he saw Jesus on the road, right? What ended up happening with him right away? You guys remember? He says, you know, I didn't go seek anybody's direction. He wanted a direction from the Lord, and he ends up going out to the Arabian Desert for three years. Three years that guy went out there. It had to be some cool stuff the Lord was teaching him out there. That's a long time to be out there. And... 
I look at Paul, that was such a drastic move. I mean, if we remember Paul's life, Paul was also another, and I'm going to use it again, he was a very busy man, wasn't he? This guy was a very important people person back in the time. I mean, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the guy going out there and making sure that their religion stayed right. He was the one that was purifying what he thought. I mean, there's a lot going on, and he just shuts down for three years. That's a big deal. Awesome to see what Paul did in his life and what effect it had on his life and just that devotion that he gave to him. So that's Galatians 1, 15 through 17. The last one is John. John, in Revelation 1, 9 through 10. We know that John, you guys know that the um, kind of history points that they tried to kill him because most all the disciples, uh, they tried to kill him by boiling him in oil, right? So, But he survived it. And so instead of trying to kill him off again, they ended up exiling to the island of Patmos. And you guys can read that in Revelations 1, 9, and 10. Well, on that island, that brings solitude, right? And that silence that he's out there, what happened on that island? What was an awesome thing that happened? Revelation, right? What a cool book. Scary. (laughs) Sometimes hard to read. So neat that that's what was given through that whole experience there. And so you guys can see through all these examples, these experiences that they went through, what God did in the end, it was always to benefit that person in his ministry, wasn't it? They all, all walked away from that solitude and silence with this new vision God wanted to. God's getting glorified. Their lives are being changed. So why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? Why wouldn't we just submit ourselves even to once a, once a month of just taking the day off and taking off towards the mountains or whatever just to get that time of peace and quiet? You know, there's some that are like, well, I, I work all week and I really want to be around my family, my wife, and you know, I want to spend time. Go up to the mountains with your family and just take an hour and say, hey, guys, we're all going to break off and we're just going to have some time with the Lord. What a cool thing to do for your kids, you know? What a neat thing to do for your spouse just to go off and break off and have that time with the Lord and just to lead in that way. So when we go down and we look at these examples, okay, we have the disciples, we have Jesus, we have some of the Old Testament examples. Um, and if we were to follow these examples, uh, how would we get to that place of solitude and silence? You know, how, how, what got them to there? What brought them to that place of solitude and silence? And so here's some of the things that I wanted to go through with you guys and see, you know, maybe the Lord's asking you to go there. One of the things is that it's obvious answer is to get a person there is discipline, isn't it? We have to discipline ourselves. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. You guys can go ahead and flip over there real quick. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. That way we'll keep you awake. Keep you flipping the pages. See, that's how I do it. <laughs> that way I don't hit the, hit the pulpit, right? Yeah, whatever. So 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I love this verse. This is where Paul comes down and he's talking to the church in Corinth and he says, and he's talking about racing, uh, striving for the crown, and he comes to the very end and he says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. There's things in our life that we do have to discipline. This is one of them we just break off. It's a discipline that's like, you know what, God's going to take care of those things. I have to go off. I scheduled this time. I need to go and be with him. And I'm not saying that every experience is going up to the mountains and you guys have to go spend, you know, maybe you're like, oh, I don't have money to do that. I don't have a car to do that. I don't have a bike to do that. You know, whatever it is, go and find where what place it is. It's looking for that solitude and that silence. I know there's even some people in this room that have made awesome little places in their homes and their place of work that they can just isolate themselves and get into that place with the Lord, you know, kind of take a break from what they're doing. Good for you guys. Awesome. Encourage others to be doing the same. It's a good place to be with him. Uh, we might not find it convenient, you know, in our, our busy life, but after uh, disciplining ourselves to achieve that time, uh, we'll see it turn into necessity for our life. How many of you guys experience that? Because I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir on this, but you guys that have, have been doing this, have been going in the solitary and have go, gone into this, this time of silence with the Lord, it's one of those things that now it's a necessity, isn't it? You've gotten to a place like you know something's up in your life because you haven't had that time with him, and you're like, uh, that's what it is. And you see that it's such a, an obvious thing. I need to get away. I need to be with him. It's like an exercise, and I know everything about exercise. Let me tell you guys. <laughs> and I'll tell you what about exercise. It's totally inconvenient, isn't it? It is so inconvenient to my day, but it's necessary to live a healthy life, isn't it? Same thing is applied to this totally necessary for our lives so we can live a healthy spiritual life. Take a break with the Lord, guys. Don't get so wrapped up into what we're doing in this society and when what everybody's trying to get us to do, our devices that are telling us and now own us in some ways. It's just break off, break free of that. So another answer um, 
of how to get into this place is our situation demands it. I love this part of it. Our situation demands that we go find solitude and silence. Our situation. What is your guys' situation? What is it? Are you guys hurting? Are you guys needing refreshed? Are you guys tired as you can be? You're stressed out of your mind? You know? Or you're doing great. You just want to know more of him. You want to grow. You want to see that fruit in your life. Where is it that you guys are? So I hope that every one of these that we're going to go through right now and these examples that we find through these, these uh, people, I hope it applies to your life so you can see, yeah, that is something that is needed. I do need to go find that solitude and that silence because that's exactly where I'm at. So the first one is that there's just too many people. We're overloaded. There's too many people. I'm overloaded. This happens a lot in ministry. I mean, you're dealing with people all the time. And I wish some of you know, I hope some of the people in the back will be able to hear as well. But if you guys are involved in ministry, you're around people nonstop. That's just part of it. It's an awesome thing to do. That's what you've been called to, but it's nice to break free from that every once in a while to go and get refreshed by the Lord. So if you guys are around too many people, it's not just a ministry, but at work, if you guys are having to deal with people constantly all day, you're the boss, or you have to mess with the coworkers or your peers or whatever, and then you go home and then you gotta deal with family, roommates. You know, every one of us has to deal with a lot, right? With people. And people are awesome, aren't they? But people are lame as well. <laughs> it goes both ways. They hurt us. They do all kinds of things, and we can get stressed out of it. But we need to withdraw with Jesus. We need to withdraw with Jesus, just as he did in Luke 5, 16. We already went over that. Those people were looking after him to be healed. He'd already been healing, and now he has more coming after him. And like I said before, wouldn't it be obvious that he would want to do that? No, Jesus withdrew. So why can't we? Guys, it's okay. When we look at these examples in Scripture, it's okay for you guys to pull away every once in a while. Go find solitude and silence. If you've been looking for somebody to say it's okay, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm giving you an example of the Scripture that's saying it's okay to do that. Don't be hard on yourself. I know there's also the, the other side of it that people are just so committed to their lives and to their ministry or to the people around them that they feel guilty if they were to break free. Don't. This is something you need to be doing so that you can also pour back into those people's lives. We have to have a break. <laughs> right? Yeah. We do need breaks. Sorrow. Sorrow is another thing that can lead us to this time. You know, we need that time to grieve with the one that is complete control. We need that time to grieve with the one that has complete control. And we see that Jesus did this, didn't he? In Matthew 14, 13, right after John the Baptist passed away, what does Jesus do? He goes and he withdraws himself. It's because he's looking for that solitude. He wanted to have that time, and he's grieving. It's okay, guys. Go find that time just to go and cry out to the Lord, literally. Ball in front of him. I remember when my brother passed away, and I'll try not to right now. It's hard sometimes to talk about it, especially when I'm up here. But my brother, I was only seven, but when he passed away, I was trying to be really you know, tough and, and not show anybody that really I lost my brother. And uh, it took me, I think it was a year later, until I actually cried about it. I mean, this is a seven-year-old. And, and I found this place, it was up in Montana, and it was behind this big old log stack, and we were visiting some people building a log home. And I just went out there, and I broke down. I couldn't handle it anymore. It had been a year of just stacking it up and, and not, not dealing with it. And that's sometimes, guys, we just have to go out and get before him and just bawl our eyes out, you know? It's so good. It's so relieving. God made it so that we cry, doesn't he? That's one of his designs on us. It relieves this pressure. It's okay to do that. So go find that solitude. Go out there and just grieve with him. He's the one that's got it under control. He'll refresh you and bring you back. And you know, he brings that comfort. It's an awesome thing to be with him. Another one, and I know this applies. It's got to be, yeah, open your ears. Troubles and stress. Do you guys have troubles and stress? Yeah? All right. You're with us. So we go to the one who bears our burdens and can sympathize with our weaknesses. In Hebrews 4.15 is where it says that, that he can sympathize with our weakness. So we go to him because we're going through these troubles and this stress, and a lot of times what we feel like is, and, and this is what we'll do a lot, and I do it all the time, is when I am super stressed out, when I have a lot of troubles, it's so easy to go grab my device and go play War of Robots and kill all the robots off. Or... <laughs> Go and sit in front of the TV because I don't have to think. I don't have to tell anybody what to do. I don't have to deal with any of that. There's no stress in that. And I can just download. And I can just be like, okay. And what I'll do is I'll go and get myself over there. Another thing that I'll do, and I even do this when I'm studying, 
I love very hard music, okay? And I love to listen to it, especially when I study. I don't know why. I met one other guy that he was also a pastor, and he did love to do the same thing. I don't know why, but it would help me completely just shut everything off out there and, and just focus on what I was studying. Um, some of us are weird like that. But I always have to have noise. I'm one of those people, I always have to have some kind of a noise in the background. Uh, you can ask my kids. There's music going on in our house all the time. There's always a dance party. You know, I got, I got so many videos that are going to come back out when my girls have boy, boyfriends. Embarrass the heck out of them. I really won't do that. Don't think I'm... <laughs> but there's just so much fun, and we do that, but our house is hardly ever quiet. I mean, I have four girls, too, so you can imagine it's hard to get quiet there. Um, but we have fun. We love noise. It's, it's always a crazy place. I put drums down in, downstairs. You know, you can hear it in the neighbor's house. Right, Chris? I think Chris is out there. <laughs> but our neighbors, it's just it's a noisy place, and we love it, but it, that is so hard because when it does become silent, it's so awkward. And so when I get and I face those troubles and those stress, I feel that I've got to put this other thing in there, and I've got to make noise, and I've got to have this thing so it's going to drown everything out and all my problems and stress are kind of dealt with. But all it's doing is putting everything under the surface. If we go watch those sports and everything, all it is, it's not taking care of the problem. If we go retreat to our place that maybe we've built for ourselves, you know, that this is our, our, our sanctuary, our man cave, our woman cave, whatever it is. You know, I go and I do these things so I can feel better. Well, guys, the thing is, it's not being dealt with because there's only one person that can deal with it. There's only one person can deal with your stress and your troubles. And no, it's not your husband or your wife. Don't try that. <laughs> it's Jesus Christ, isn't it? And so we see Elijah, that's what he's doing. He escapes, doesn't he? Elijah has tons of trouble. Somebody's trying to kill him. Many people are trying to kill him. And he goes up to the mountains and he gets to have this time with God and God takes his stress and his troubles away from him. And he gives him this fresh breath. If you guys are going through that, stop putting things in your life that are not taking care of the problem. Stop finding a false solitude or a false kind of silence. You go and just find him. Just go be with him. Be in that awesome time with him. Another one is the direction. Maybe you guys are looking for direction in your lives. Yeah? Especially you younger guys and girls. What, what are you supposed to be doing? What does God want you to do? Where are you supposed to be going? Big decisions to be made, right? Got my parents look over my shoulders. What do they want me to do? I don't really care. <laughs> I'm going to go do what I want to do. All the different things that are going on in our direction that we have, maybe even some people are being challenged right now and where they're at in life and, and they're not feeling that, that desire to be there anymore. You know, they're, they're not content or whatever. And, and who knows what the situation is, but we can go into those places for direction. So if we lost contentment in that area, maybe it's our own deal and we need to find that contentment again. He'll bring that to us. He'll show it. I guarantee when you guys go out and find these times of the Lord, it's so cool how he speaks to you. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's gentle. It's still. It's just a little voice. It's so good, guys. So rich. So if you're looking for direction, that's what Jesus did with the Father, didn't he? He gave us that example. Hey, I want to have these disciples. Who do you want? All night he went out and prayed about that. All night Jesus went out and prayed for direction. So next time you guys have some direction to take in your life, some decision to make in your life, don't take it lightly. Jesus did, and he took a whole night to pray about it. It's a good thing to go out and do that. That was in Luke 6, 2, uh, 12 and 13. Then the last one I have is the humility. And this is a kind of a weird one. It's like, what? Solitude and silence for humility? Like if I'm not going to go try to go get my humility on. I don't do that. <laughs> None of us, I don't think we do. It's all of a sudden it comes to us. But it is a very humbling thing when we're out in that solitude and silence, right? You know why? Because we don't have any control. I think that's why we love the distraction. We love the noisy. We love all that stuff because we have some kind of control in it. And maybe it's not blatantly like, hey, I'm going to have control in my life. We're, we're going against God. But it is some kind of a thing like, I need to think through these things so that I can have people pleased with my work and I can, you know, be a better worker. I can be a better representative of whatever. I want to do these things and it's busy, 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 do, do, do. And really, it, it creates a, a sort of pride in us because we really want to please other people. We want to look like a good person, you know? We want them to say good things about our business. We want them to say good things as us being an employee. And we want them to be like, oh, that guy's the hardest worker I've ever been around. That lady, she knows exactly everything. She's got the best designs things in her head. I mean, it's just awesome what she can do. And it's like, yes, thank you, pet my flesh, you know. And we don't outright say that, but after a time, sometimes we're just like, oh, it feels good to get, you know, honored by these people and watch out. It's such a good place to withdraw. Go and find him. Go be with him. Go and be and put yourself in a situation with him where you're absolutely not in control. 
We have to just sit before him and be silent. Try it. It's a hard thing when you want to sit there and be silent with him. I mean, when I go and do it, it's all these things come in my head, all this stuff, and I'm like, Lord, shut it down. I don't want to think about work. I don't want to think what I have to do for this. I don't want to completely just shut it down. I just want to hear you. And I'll sit there quiet forever. And you know what? Sometimes he never even says a word. It just, it's, it's one of those things that I want to give you guys some false little promise that, yeah, you go and do this, and all of a sudden you're going to have this big revelation from him, you know, and, and you're going to come back glowing like Moses did, and everybody's going to wonder why. <laughs> I stuck my finger in an outlet. (laughs) It won't be anything like that. Sometimes he doesn't do it, you know, but it's such a great time and it isn't a waste of time. Don't ever look at it like that. Jesus shows us over and over again and Jesus' humility on him going out there, it was was humbling is because, you know, Jesus showed us is that he withdrew when they wanted to make him king. And we know that was a true temptation with Jesus Christ, didn't we? Because even Satan was trying to tempt him with that out in the wilderness. Saying, I'll let you rule over all these kingdoms. Well, if Satan's doing it, Satan knows. And here again, the people want to raise him up. Jesus was, he could have, right? He could have taken this. Yeah, be king. Unfortunately, everything would have been lost what the Father was trying to do with him, you know, and that work that he did for us. It's so cool to see that what ended up happening in that point is he separated. He took off. He went out into the wilderness and he found that silence and went with the Lord. So Jesus showed us that humidity. Okay, so we get to this place of solitude and silence. Now what? We finally made it out there. Okay, you know, our situation put us in there. We're out there. Okay, Lord, I'm ready to hear from you. This is going to be the greatest time of my life. You know, these going to, I don't know what miracle you're going to have happen. Let's try to move this mountain over. You said something about that in your word, right? <laughs> I got the faith. Let's do it. And you get out there and now what? Because I guarantee the first time, if it is your first time, you guys are going to go out there and you're just going to be bored out of your mind. You're going to end up trying to figure out something you can do. You're going to have, you know, guys going to pull your pocket knife out. Oh, what can I carve or cut down or kill? You know, and it's like, <laughs> your mind's just like, I got to do something right now. If you could just stay there and be quiet, and all these thoughts are going to come in your head, and it's just going to be such a mess in your head. You know why? Because there hasn't been that discipline before. It gets easier as it goes on. It does. It gets in this place where you get to have such a great time with them, and you spend that time out there, and it just shuts down. So here's some of the ways. Here's some of the tools that I'd like to give you guys. And what do you do? You know, do we just sit out there and watch as the second minutes go by? And here's another thing that usually often happens. Like, yes, this is so good. You sit down, you're awesome. Lord, this is going to be so good. Five seconds? I thought it was a minute. <laughs> you know, and you're like, you're looking at your clock and you're like, okay, I, dedic- I, I said I was going to give an hour to this. And it's just like, all you do is you focus on the clock the whole time. <laughs> like, man, this is a lot longer than I thought it would be. But where our focus and what things you can do is that we can, you know, you sit down and you just start spending that time. Uh, do we try to pray and then battle with all the thoughts that come into our mind uh, and rob time with the Lord? That's not what we're going to end up doing. So here's some of the ideas. Don't work, okay? And I want to make sure this is an important one because there's a lot of you guys, especially guys that I've talked to. I don't really usually talk to girls about this. I'm sure you guys could apply it, but I just know this because of talking to some of you guys is that, yes, I get that time of solitude and silence. It's at work. No. And maybe you're out there and you're, you're in the middle of nowhere on your work, you know? You're, you're doing something that has nothing to do with anybody else. I find myself sometimes I'm in houses that are clear off. I had to do this job in Westcliff. Uh, Gary had to come and rescue me one time. <laughs> it was off in the middle of nowhere, right? Hard to find. <laughs> and uh, it was nice to be out there, but the thing is I had another duty. I had something that I was earning a living for my family. I had a focus. I had something else. Yes, I did have a great time with the Lord, getting to pray with him, but I wasn't completely shut down with him. I'm going to encourage you guys that hunting is not an excuse for this, okay? All right? Hey, I, I, I want to make sure you guys understand I'm not taking away from hunting. Hunting is an awesome time to go be with the Lord because it is awesome to be out there with him, get to see the animals that he's created, you know, and, and getting to see all these awesome things while you're out there and talk to him while you're out there. Yes, but don't substitute it for a time of solitude and silence. Don't say this is where I do it. Because it isn't. You still have a duty. You're still out there. You're trying to do something. I'm talking about complete just shut down and let God deal with it. Let God be over your whole time there. That's why this gets so hard. See, at first you guys are like, sweet, I already do this. I got this nailed. <laughs> you know, November, every November I go do this. <laughs> no, that's not what we're talking about here. Don't use work as an excuse for that. Don't use hunting. Don't use recreational t- time. Make it a time where you're focused and you're going to go out there and I want to be with the Lord right now. And again, I'm not saying you guys have to drive way up in the mountains. It may be just a time where you just need to isolate yourself in your house where nobody else is around, your family's gone, and just spend that time with him. Turn everything off in the house, the music, everything. Just shut it all down. Turn the power off. 
and just be with him. And then what you end up happening is that you get this, this awesome time with him and you get to include Jesus 100% in what's going on in your life right then. He has everything, not just a little bit, everything, and he's not most of it. He's got everything. The next one is be purposeful in your prayer. Be purposeful in your prayer, okay? And what that, how that can look is that, you know, uh, it could be getting down and, and writing these things down. As you guys meet people during the day, write the stuff down on your phone or, or probably don't want to take your phone with you. So piece of paper. <laughs> write it down on what you can be praying for. That helps out a lot, especially as you start going through your battle of your mind when you're out there and all these other thoughts come in and you have some kind of a thing you can look at and you can read through it and get those prayers down. It's an easier way to do it. Um, another thing is, is that, you know, having that prayer list, another thing one you can do is go through Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 13. That's Lord's Prayer. Now, I'm not saying repeat the Lord's Prayer over and over. I'm, look, I'm saying look at the aspects of that prayer. Look at what he's talking about there. You can go and you can recognize where God is in your prayer. You can see who he is in your prayer. You can see what his will is in, his, in your prayer. You can ask for needs in your prayer. You can ask for help and deliverance. You can thank him. There's all these things you can do in your prayer rather than letting your mind just wander and start thinking about something. A great place to go. Um, use time to meditate on his word. You guys know that. That's an easy one. Make sure you take your Bible with you because prayer and Bible, you know, it's read, read, pray, 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 read, read, pray. It, it goes together. It's one of those things that's awesome. Uh, Joshua 1.8, if you guys want to write that scripture down, a great encouragement for us. Psalms 1.2, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good of repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And if the worship team wants to go ahead and come back up, we'll finish with this. You know, So we have plenty of examples of those guys that showed us. So we absolutely see through the scripture it's something that needs to be done. So I'd ask you guys, is that something you're doing in your lives right now? Honestly and not substituting for anything else. Is this something that you even see as an important thing? I would hope so, especially after today you get to see all these examples and Jesus Christ himself showing us this is where we should be going. Here's a bunch of different situations. I know each one of those situations, at least you guys have one of those going on in your life. You're not human if you don't. We have those things going on in our lives. And so when we look at those things, guys, retreat. Those of you guys looking for direction, for rest, for refreshment, comfort, etc., I challenge you guys to go out and discipline your walk with Christ and to withdraw with him in silence. Withdraw yourselves from whatever's going on and go be in that silence with him. You know, at least, and I encourage you guys this. I say as a church, guys, I encourage you, please, everybody try to do it at least once this month. Just set a day aside, okay? And that's one day out of the whole month. What an awesome testimony and getting to hear what happened because another thing is we come back off these times with him and then we're so encouraged that we get to come back to our brothers and sisters and encourage them with what the Lord's done, right? What he's spoken to us, where he's taken us, this awesome time with him. And then all of a sudden we all are so excited to talk about what's been going on with Jesus rather than how bad our days are, how bad our bodies hurt, what the new drug I'm having to take, you know? We get to focus on Jesus is awesome. He's doing awesome work in my life. I can't wait to share him. I want to go serve. And let's go do this together, you know? That's what he wants us to do. So today we're going to have prayer up front, you guys. We're going to go ahead and for the last 10 minutes here. If you guys need prayer, you, you guys want to go ahead and come up that are going to be doing the prayer for him. You guys come up and just cry out on the Lord, you know? Talk with your brother or sister, whoever's up here, and just pour out what's going on so the Lord can just work in your guys' lives. And you guys have an awesome week. And uh, just be blessed. And so, yeah.